Welcome to another episode of the Grace and Peace podcast. Today we are starting up a series and this is the Winfield Table Talk, where we will invite you into our apartment, our apartment, Club 28 in Winfield. The background noise you just heard are my apartment mates. And today I have two other of my apartment mates on the show. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Well, my name is Dan. Some people call me DFD. My name is David. People just call me David. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, you might hear some background noise in the back, but that, that was all intentional. Like... We want you to feel like you're inside of our apartment, right? (laughs) Um, DFD. Yes, sir. Since you've been in this apartment the longest, would you like to explain what is the significance of this apartment in the history of Epic? Um, Yeah, so Winfield, um, I think, started... Well, the building itself, I think, was built around early 2000s, but for our group, I think 2008 was when UMass Epic started, and that freshman group, they grew up, they became like seniors and then, you know, interns a year after. But yeah, it was interesting, um, because I came in as a freshman at at UMass when I was, I think it was 2009, so kind of like... I'm a bit younger than that group, and so I came in new while they were starting up, you know, moving off campus as they got older. Um, and this was the place that they picked, apartment 28. Um, and back then, also, they had an apartment 20 just down the hall, um, which we still have. We actually technically reclaimed, but that's another story, which was also unintentional. Um, but yeah, it's um, it started out with a, a group of interns from Epic. Um, we have our little shrine behind us. Basically, it's a uh, a wall with all the the photos of people that used to live here. Uh, kind of like a nice little glimpse of all the the folks, um, past and present. But yeah, it was good. It was like a place for obviously initially for them. It was, it was a place for them to get you know cheap housing. Um, very affordable housing, moving away from the craziness of campus life, um, dealing you know with all the dramas and crazy neighbors. Um, but yeah, Winfield is just a nice space, um, kind of far away from you know the the party life of downtown Amherst. Um, we're technically in Hadley, just behind our window. I think about 15 feet away is Amherst, so. Um, we're enjoying the peace and quiet here while still enjoying um, Andy behind me is definitely enjoying life. Um, but yeah, it was good. It was uh, Initially it was just for them, just like anyone else, moving off campus, saving money, and being independent. Um, the second purpose, I would say, in terms of Epic, was um, because many of them were in epic leadership and also interns so on staff um this was like a hub for people to come and hang out to pray to have e-board meetings to eat together to get to know each other to invite new folks whether they were you know siblings or um, friends from you know high school or from church and so uh, or just new people in general internationals transfers whoever freshmen um but yeah it was a for me, that was that was like uh, my experience. I was new to Epic, and I saw them as these random folks, and I eventually got to know them later. But um, uh, yeah, I came in, kind of enjoying that space of you know welcomeness. So it was good. David, do you want to share like your first experience of this apartment? Kind of like, what made you want to move in this apartment? Huh, my first experience... I think it happened sometime... 
November or like closer to the middle of the semester, I believe, is when I found out about Epic and met DFD or Dan, however you want to call him. Um, I uh, it was a really nice place. I really did not know anyone, maybe for maybe two other three other people. Um, so everyone was just a stranger, but everyone was having a really fun time. Uh, people were having conversations, people were playing board games, people were cooking, people were just enjoying themselves. Um, and that, it felt like a completely different vibe than being on campus. Uh, and then I kind of found out that my, most if not all went to Epic or were in, yeah, went to Epic. Um, so I would constantly see them. A lot and got to know them. Uh, as for choosing to live here, um, it was during a potluck. I, me being an out-of-state student, I pay a lot of money for attending UMass. So I was looking to see where I can save money um, to make it more affordable on me and my family. So DFD was talking to me about how it's so affordable that a full 12 months living at Winfield is less than I think a semester living in the dorms and that pretty much captivated me and he was ta talking to me about all the perks um, of living on campus com I mean off campus compared to on campus and I said yo let's do it you know I talked with my parents they say sure let's go you know saving money hooray um, I filled out the application. Um, initially, I filled it out. So DFT convinced me for to live, move into Winfield, and then my and a friend of mine named Timmy, who lived downstairs in apartment ten, was looking for roommates and asked if I was interested. I said, "Yeah, I'm interested in Winfield." So I filled out the application, moved in, and it was awesome. I save so much money, have so much space, have uh, contr control of my life, and so far it, it just feels so much better than living on campus. So yeah, that's why I chose to live at Winfield. That's great, and a lot of what you mentioned is about like, like saving money. Um, that's kind of like a big culture we have in uh in this apartment where we find smart ways to save money on groceries on a ton of other stuff dfd would you like to like expand on what that type of culture is like here yeah um i think at a glance people think oh you guys are just cheap um <laughs> which is true no. Partly, it, I think it started out for me, um, my first time off campus, I think it was in Brandywine, which is north of Amherst, or north Amherst. Um, and then I lived in Colonial Village, uh, summer after that. Um, for most of college, um, for the academic years, I lived in the dorms, so Webster, and then two years in Lewis, um, and two years in Washington Tower as an RA. And so I kind of got a, a, you know, a little taste of everything. Um, living as a, you know, in a single as an RA, living with um, people that I knew, uh, people that were, you know, that I never knew, but definitely off campus for the first time was brand new. Um, there was one summer, I think my senior year, I, I actually lived in this apartment and so that was a good experience. Uh, I was the only one <laughs> during that summer. Um, everyone left or graduated. And so um, it was kind of weird because I, I was more familiar with a lively, you know, more f like f much, like very, very lively um, apartment. And so I kind of got to see both extremes. Um, but yeah, I got a, I got a taste of utilities. I 
being alone, I, <clears throat> I realized how much utilities were, um, you know, the flat fees, the usage and everything. So um, the more and more I lived here um, and the more involved I got into, you know, the different aspects of living off campus, I realized like, wow, you know, even though I'm saving a lot of money in terms of moving off campus, especially at a very affordable place like this, I still felt like there are many more opportunities to save. And so I try to do more research, talk to friends and family and um, other folks that I knew who had experience like on, you know, any, anything from how to save on electricity, gas, um, different options for Wi-Fi, um, food that was a big one, grocery shopping. Um, and, you know, part of it was just like trying to control my, my finances and being stable and trying to teach it to other people but yeah it was it was good i um in this apartment we definitely have a a history of um i guess teaching each other and encouraging each other to be smart um i think there's a big difference between just being blatantly cheap um versus being smart with your finances um so right yeah, I think one thing that I think about is um, my experience six years ago when I officially moved off campus right after graduation. Um, instead of you know staying for a summer, now I'm legitimately you know part of the lease and hanging out with people that I already knew. Um, we're all kind of like learning this together, and so some people like it was a mix of people, um, people that had unlimited meal plans others that are kind of barely surviving with a hundred um, people that you know like to order um, food or you know going to you know fast food downtown whatever it is and then individuals like me and a few others who wanted to explore the the cooking route and so by cooking more that helped over time, and this took a while, but it, over time it helped me um, learn more about food. Um, not just in terms of where I could save, but also, you know, health-wise and the options that are out there. Um, but, yeah, it was good. I, I started to realize, like, wow, this is actually not only cheap, there are, it, like, it's so customizable, you know exactly what's going on in your food. Um, and you could do so much with it, you know, the... Because the more you hang out with people, the more you invite them to your apartment, um, the more you get to know them, you start to realize like, okay, this group of folks that I hang out with, there's a certain um, list of things that they're always excited for. Or, or here's a list of typical allergies or sensitivities. Uh, and so you kind of um, you know, think about those things as you're shopping. So not only you're trying to save money, you're trying to be um, reaching out to your you know, target audience, um, like college age, majority Asian, Asian American, um, and starving, <laughs> typically. <laughs> typically, uh, yeah. you know, college students, like, you know, they're, it's weird because, like, we will spend tens of thousands of dollars on education and put ourselves on hundreds of thousand dollars of loans in some cases. But when it comes to food, for some reason, on many occasions, I will see folks just cheaping out on their health, <laughs> which is a very strange idea. You would think, okay, well, if you're gonna go, you know, big. Go big or go home. If you're gonna go big on this thing, um, I would expect the same thing for their, you know, for groceries. Um, but it was like, you know what, you know, if people are gonna, cheaping out on groceries I'm going to find out how to do it in a very healthy way because um, McDonald's is cheap you know Wendy's is cheap Antonio's well that's debatable but it's um, when you start to realize like wow I could make this food myself and make it tastier and impress my family and friends um, it's definitely worth it um, and when I say worth it, like, obviously it's worth the time. Because uh, you have to do research, you have to, uh, just like anything else, when you build up a skill, um, it takes time. 
and that time you know people say time is money well yeah that's true but the extra money you're spending to you know eat downtown you had to work for that money so at some point you're still spending time somehow so um you know if you're gonna be living off campus why not use that opportunity to learn <clears throat> so and yeah it's um it's good stuff um i definitely have been enjoying that experience so yeah so that's sort of like a taste into dfd's mentality which has like transferred all into like all of his apartment mates us so yeah and when you're a umass student i would say there's like three ways to get food either it's like you go you go on a meal plan which is the most expensive option i think yeah out of the for three. sure um but umass number one dining it's even though the quality has gone down in the past few years being number one dining is better than not being number one dining so That's can't right. really complain nah. so there's that there's ordering takeout all the time which might be slightly cheaper than getting a meal plan but you're still not eating the healthiest and then there's the third option which is like cooking your own food and in this option it's like the healthiest and the cheapest way to go but yeah, as DFD said, it takes a long time to like build up like the skills that you're able to like cook for yourself. But can you give us like some insight onto like how rewarding is being able to cook for yourself? Anyone can answer. Well, I will say really quickly, there's actually a fourth option that wasn't mentioned. <gasps> but I will let you know it's not the easiest. Um unless your eyes are, are wide open so because so the fourth option basically it's free food <laughs> free food you might chuckle david but you know i survived umass even though they have you know expensive meal plans and number one dining like in terms of catering they're also really good um so many events on campus yes. from the cheapest stuff like pizza and wings like that you know that everyone will have for their events to um, to gourmet, uh, you know, potato this that you know the p potato stews and curries and um, lamb lollipops and whatever. Um, it's just it's crazy sometimes. Um, like so much food to the point where you don't know what to do with the the extra food. Um, I actually remember a story where I think we were at. CMAS is amazing race and every year well actually no every semester they have this thing where you go there there's a race um, you know it's like picking up pit, um, if you ever watch the amazing race you're, you're going around getting uh, different riddles and at the end they have this you know top three prizes but the big thing also is a bunch of pizza and wings and I'm talking about a dozen boxes of pizza and like six massive tubs of different types of wings and even with over a hundred people and the police department who was there because they were you know they sponsor it um, and all the CMAS staff there was so many extra food so so many wings and my supervisor was very nice she's like please please take some <laughs> give us Tupperware we bring it back and you know I already I already ate so much um, but my housemates, when I brought everything, they're like, wow, this is so much food. What are, what are we going to do? Um, and also, you know, dealing with graphic design, I kind of knew where the free food events are. Um, and so um, we have this thing on Facebook that a lot of Epic people um, are part of. It's called, um, I think originally it was called Epic Meal Finder. Um, now it's just more communal meal finder since we're trying to outreach the crew and some other friends that we have. But... Um, but essentially, yeah, it started out um, a place where you can share where all the free food events are. And that itself developed into, hey, I'm going to eat at Blue Wall. Come join me. Or I wanna, uh, I'm going to go to Worcester Dining Commons um, or whatever it might be. Um, but yeah, 
for me, for I think a couple years after graduation, even during college, it was like, you know what? There's a lot of free food here. <laughs> and so I took advantage of it. Um, and, you know, sometimes it's like fun, cultural events. Others is like more informational um, things. But after a while, I'm like, you know what? Maybe I could be spending this time investing in cooking. And so I don't know. David could talk more about it, too, because um, he also is a pretty good chef here. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Any thoughts, David, or even towards um, Spencer's? Hmm. Uh, well, I, I do know about the free food. Uh, <laughs> living on a hundred swipes freshman year. Oh yeah. It was rough. People would always question how I was able to do it or how how I got away with it. But yeah, you come up with a lot of credits. The world isn't uh, limited to you. Yeah. Uh, so I would I would be pretty much starving myself. And once I uh, got joined communal meal finder, it changed my life. You know, like I would be going to these free food events a lot. You know, I'd be surviving any way I could. Yeah. Um, yeah, but then you know, like with cooking, um, even though Blue Wall or like. The dining commons they have so much they have good food not gonna lie but you can always make it better because i don't know because like with cooking like the fd said earlier like it's if you make it yourself you can make it much better tastier and cheaper well um i think it was two years ago mm-hmm. a year ago i i i went to blue wall and i got a burger called the hampshire burger <laughs> it's still there. It's it's really delicious. I honestly recommend it. Um, but I did not like how much I was paying for. I think it was like how much was it? I think six, seven bucks plus tax. And- <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, for the burger, mm-hmm. and it wasn't really that filling at all. <laughs> I would always be like unsatisfied. Yeah. Uh, so I just said, you know what? I could probably make this myself and make it bigger and better and so i set out to do that uh, my uh in my old apartment uh me and my housemate we got the ingredients and we made it even though it was more expensive up front but we made so many pat so many burgers from it that when we did the math it was like two three bucks a burger and it was the the meat was so much thicker um, I had much more toppings. We had more variety, and overall, it was just such a delicious burger that every time I eat at Blue Wall, I just—it's just—I can't—it's just different world, you know. So it's like if you cook yourself, you could probably make it so much better, tastier, healthier, fresher. Exactly, fresher. And you could also feed a whole bunch of people um, for a lower price compared to eat mass dining. Yeah. You know. How much do you guys spend on groceries per week or per month? Uh, for me, that's hard to tell because a lot of my food is also from uh, the communal food that we have here. I think in terms of just the things that I get for myself, I've been able to do... Um, trying to think it's hard to because so just to give some perspective um and i had to figure this out i was i think uh at lunch break at work and i was just curious because a lot of people were like oh no there's no way you spend this much um i made a list of things that you could get at aldi for just as an example uh for just 20 bucks and just um so for my job, or for most jobs off campus, or um, after graduation, um, you start out with you know being, being paid twenty an hour. Um, that's like a thirty-nine k job, um, and being paid twenty an hour. Okay, so what can I do with that twenty? Uh, if I work for one hour, that twenty, I made a little list and I realized, oh, I, okay, wow, uh, at all the I could buy. Um, I could buy an avocado, I could buy 
um, a giant container of oats. I could buy a 10 pound bag of potatoes, you know, um, a can of pineapple, um, I think a mango, a cucumber, a three pound bag of rice, and you know, a pound of chicken, and you can keep going. It was a list of 16 things. Um, most of it could last you for the week. Some of it definitely could last for months because it was, you know, such a big thing. Uh, but it was like, wow, I'm spending, one, you know, 20 bucks on all this food. And that itself expands when you realize other people are cooking you food and you have communal food. And so it's kind of like compounding itself um, for people that are making like, you know, t they're making tons of food and they're like, oh, I can't finish this. Um, you can enjoy some of that and vice versa. And so it's like a nice way to like help each other out. Um, and yeah, little tips and tricks like that um, will definitely help you save money. Um, buying in bulk. So like that, I, I don't buy um, individual packets of flavored oats. <laughs> I only buy cinnamon and the oats in a massive container and you can mix it however you want in terms of ratio and the oats itself will last you for months you know depending on how many people eat it but um, it's so much cheaper and you can customize it the way you want um, and depending on the ingredients sometimes um, it was act it would actually last longer because um, some ingredients will spoil you know the rest so it's better to just buy it separately um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, I I have no idea how you could put the, a number on it. Um, it's definitely under 50 per month. Definitely under, if not 20. Um, and it's doable. It's not, it's, and the crazy thing is like, it's not like you're even starving. You know, like we're all eating, or at least the most of us, as far as I know. <laughs> Some of us choose to go to McDonald's every night. That's fine. <laughs> um, or Taco Bell. But a lot of us were eating gourmet food um, in bulk, you know, with sides and drinks. And um, sometimes we even make desserts late at night. Um, so not only is it super affordable, it's in many, many cases is very satisfying, especially in the, you know, in a communal aspect as we're eating together what about you david well for me um it i guess it depends on what year you're talking about um i guess it depends on what year you're talking about because last year probably like 40 bucks no like 20 25 bucks a week or two every two weeks actually um because I just don't eat much. Uh, it will last me a good while. Um, it will it will be to the point where just that much on some of the food would actually go, would spoil before I could even finish it. Hmm. So I'd have to uh, throw it away, unfortunately. It's because no. just of how little I eat most of the time. Um, I'm not starving myself by no means. It's just, it, I, it just takes me longer to go through food. This year now, though, it's a different story. Um, after getting a job and adopting the philosophy of go big or go home. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I usually, I, well, I still buy the, sa the same or if not more amount of food. Um, but it's like a lot of more pricier foods. Um, and even though knowing I can get it cheaper at some place, I just go, nah. Like I can, if I can get it here now, I don't have to make the trip there later. Or like, just because I I it, I just have that that what's the word? Um, I I can't think of the word, but that uh, craving, yeah, the cra just that craving at that moment. I'll just go go with it, and then I do get takeout quite often, unfortunately. Like with my sin, <laughs> <laughs> not as much as other people, but I do get taken quite a bit, especially boba. I get boba once a week, and then I have a stash of canned boba in my room. 
whenever I have cravings in the middle of the night. But, um, so I think now it would be maybe like 70, 70 bucks a week, something like that. You're crazy. <laughs> There's no way. 70. Maybe, like, I don't maybe, know. Maybe, yeah, well, maybe if you include um, eating out. Then yeah, yeah. I, I include eating out. And Chick-fil-A. Yeah, yeah. and Chick-fil-A. Yeah, I include that. So it's like it's about seventy, but yeah. if you take out the, the eating out, it's probably be like around thirty dollars. Yeah, thirty-five. So you're saying the big go big or go home mentality started when you got a job? Yes, pretty much. Mm. Well, yeah. I mean, I it, it went. It started mostly after. It started mostly after I got my car because I don't have like a set goal right. anymore. Yeah. So like I've just have all this money. And I don't know what to do with it. So, I said, go big or go home to everything. You know? And I also like nice things. That's right. So, I work for them. That's a, So, that's a David's mentality. And where did you get this mentality from? Oh, good question, Spencer. I got from your predecessor, the real Spencer. <laughs> Spencer Chung. You know, he'd always go, like, mm-hmm. I like nice things. So, I work for them. Yeah. I work a lot. Or go big or go home, you know. And every day, I try to be more like Spencer Chung <laughs> in terms of bouginess. I'm sure he would be very proud. <laughs> Shout out to Spencer. Um, he's not the real Spencer. I'm the real Spencer. We can have a different <laughs> podcast for that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We can battle it out. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, yeah. That's um. Well, the crazy thing is, like, even though David's very I wouldn't say extreme, but like um, he tends to spend a lot more and enjoy his food, um, like out of, like beyond the the realm of cooking. Um, it's definitely way less than eating, you know, on campus. Like just to give it perspective, um, the so seventy bucks a week. Um, each swipe at UMass is about. Not, and ten ten dollars roughly, give or take. The thing is ten dollars. If you pay it out, it's if, around like it's like eighteen dollars for a dinner, but it's like seven dollars for breakfast or something uh, like that. Well, yeah, it's fourteen fourteen fifty for dinner. Fourteen fifty, yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, but I don't know inflation. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's um. So if you know if each each swipe is about ten dollars, then ten times seven seven days a week uh, that, that would be about 70 actually 70 dollars so you know would you rather have seven swipes one per day at the dining commons or use that 70 to you know to eat out and get groceries um, or you can even do you know you can maximize that 70 bucks and just buy groceries for the whole week and that would be way more than you need and so it's very doable um, but there's still kind of like David, like you know, there's still opportunities to to do both, eating out and learning how to cook. So, yeah. Hmm. So that's like everything we have about like saving money on food, but that's not to mention we also like we also have people over. Like there was one time. DFD can talk more about this that um, this apartment hosted 40 people or something no it was actually 44 but sure, go on. that day was crazy <laughs> how did that all happen um, so typically I it could go out uh, so basically every year I kind of have a sense of when people want to hang out um, typically it'll be the beginning of each semester um, or during, you know, midterms, people just want to distress or de-stress, de-stress, I should say, um, or towards the end, um, of the semesters, people just want to, you know, do something before they head out. Um, so I kind of have a, a calendar in a way, like just an idea of, um, when people want to do these things. So I essentially plan around those and I think, oh, what would people want? you know, in the colder months or during the warmer months. And yeah, just basically figure out um, how to make people happy. Um, 
And so, yeah, the, the way I, I go about it, I normally don't tell people there is food. Because what happens is, and this is personal experience, when you say something like, oh, I'm going to make tamales, or I'm going to make um, a giant pot of curry, or something really like It's exciting. a promise. It's, well, yeah, first of all, it's a promise, which means if I fail through the liver, they are disappointed. <laughs> but the, the main issue is um, people get too excited to the point where they will start inviting other people. And so I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to tell anyone anything, not even my housemates. Because I know once, like, not naming any names, but Andy, <laughs> just kidding. Um, typically, I'll say, like, oh, I'm going to make this. They will just very briefly, without any you know, hesitation, say, hey, I heard DVD is doing this on this day. And then they'll invite that person. And th those people will start inviting those, you know, their friends. Um, and so in some cases, I'm expecting 15 which is already a lot, and to be fair, it's 15, you know, including the six guys that live here. Um, and then out of nowhere, 25 show up. And so um, the tricky part is, I will, you know, for those situations, I'm expecting 15, and so I'm cooking for 15. Sometimes I'm not even including myself. And so when 10 extra people show up or 15 extra show up, that's bad. Um, not just for them, but also it looks bad on me because it looks like, oh, wow, you didn't plan for this. Um, when in actuality, it's like, yeah, I didn't plan on people <laughs> who were not supposed to be here, you know, showing up. Um, so I kind of had to learn how to be a host, um, how to, um, you know, how to impro improvise um, those situations and also, also how to be very firm because there are situations where... Um, like, you know, like, like I mentioned before, it's midterm season and I want, um, you know, pe people ask, oh, you know, can I study at your place? Um, there might be five people. Five is a good number plus the six guys that live here. So, you know, 10 to 11 or so. And so by default, it'll be quiet because there's so many, you know, th there's not that many people. Um, not just quiet, but also a um, lot of table space, a lot of, you know, space to focus. Um, but the moment people are, you know, they get, they get excited. They're like, Oh, can I study there? You know, Oh, can we play games? Can we do this? Um, at first it started as, Oh yeah, sure. Cause I, I didn't want to like hurt anyone's feelings. But afterwards I started to realize like, wow, you know, I'm telling people this is a study sesh and they're inviting friends and they're not making it a study sesh worthy event. Um, so I had to learn how to say no. I actually had to kick people out before, which is unfortunate because a lot of them are, you know, they're all, most of us are part of the Epic community um, and we're all pretty much friends um, or we work together, that kind of thing. Um, but our, you know, there are situations where I have to say no um, because I even have, you know, some very specific list of friends who are very introverted and um, or simply they, you know, for that particular day, they really need to focus and they very, you know, very clearly they ask me, Hey, just wondering, is it, you know, are you sure it's only going to be 10 people or five people? Um, and yeah, when I say yes, I have to stick with that. So, um, I had to learn from, you know, prior mistakes, but it got a lot easier. Um, Definitely last year, like way before the pandemic, I did more study sessions. And, and so that was like a nice way to play around with different recipes too. Because um, I, I was more used to like cooking for dozens of people, um, even for church, like for FPC. Um, Spencer Chong, Hody, Andy, some of our other friends, like we would, we were, we were tasked by the pastor to cook for 50 hungry college students after spring break and so that was like a tradition it was the fpc college ministry um cookout and that was that was a good experience um we were given a budget of 150 dollars um and we we definitely pulled it off it was 154 i remember very specifically i forgot what the change was but um we went to aldi 
and we've got so many things it was like sausages and you know skewer food like you know like they had we had shrimp on, on a skewer we had um baked potatoes we had two burgers per person two hot dogs per person watermelon ice cream coleslaw all the condiments you can imagine um you know potato salad and water iced tea like you you name it we probably had it and people were really happy and it was you know right on budget um and could probably be even cheaper and i know because we actually made it cheaper <laughs> there was a, a time i think uh the church as many churches are um they weren't doing that well even before the pandemic and so they had to cut you know some things here and there um and we did the same thing but more efficiently and for 86 dollars for 50 hungry students everyone was happy we had leftovers um we even had like you know vegan choices for individuals that couldn't eat meat um but it was good it was like you know just another example of a welcoming event um uh pastor josh at the time he asked us also hey could you do that but like with 150 <laughs> and so we did that for the summer barbecue which is usually in august um, and that went really well and then he's like hey you know what that was good would you mind doing the big fall welcome we're expecting 300 people <laughs> and so we ended up feeding 300 people the crazy thing was um it was actually 200 um I, th I think they just threw out a number and um and i knew it was 200 because i took a panoramic photo and i counted roughly 200 people and also when i did the budgeting one third of the food was eaten so that would have meant 200 people were, were there um or sorry two, two two thirds of one third was not eaten so yeah 200 would um would have been there and so part of it i'm learning how to shop i'm learning how to work you know like deal with the logistics with other people um and also teaching some of my housemates because a, a lot of the guys that i mentioned either they live with me or their neighbors um and we all went to epic um and so we're all kind of like learning this together um, off campus um and yeah with all those experiences i'm bringing it back to winfield um even for the guys downstairs um that first generation that started apartment 10 um, they're bringing those skills back and yeah hosting is like a whole new realm um like no longer are you being taken care of your you know resident assistant <coughs> your ra um it's now you and your place and it's up to you to you know make sure that place is welcoming to your friends um and neighbors and obviously for your housemates so yeah that's good that's amazing well first it was the, the feeding 50 people for for 150 for yeah so three dollars per person three dollars per person and we could have yeah basically yeah three dollars per person with leftovers and with... people were blowing up their bellies <laughs> oh my goodness and it wasn't like cheap stuff too like we weren't just throwing rice at them or pasta like it was burgers and hot dogs and all the things i mentioned oh my goodness Yummy. um yeah it was amazing well now i'm thinking about like how did jesus feed five thousand with like he, def <laughs> he definitely had an aldi somewhere in nazareth i don't know or yeah. wherever he was yo i was Jerusalem. thinking the same thing spencer but i don't know you heard it from BFB. <laughs> it's not heresy, is it? <laughs> yeah, if, if you want to know how Jesus fed the 5,000, he went to Aldi's. Yeah. Aldi's so, is something... It's just a theory or a hypothesis, I should say. I don't have any evidence, but that's something yeah. to, to, to explore in a thesis <laughs> yeah. if you want. Um, yeah. I don't know if there's any other topics we want to explore. But, I mean, off-campus life is like there are so many things you can talk about. Yeah, honestly. Um, I mean, we haven't even gone into the realm of cooking itself, just how to save money, and even that I could technically spend another hour just talking about. It's crazy because, like, without boring anyone, 
like this is stuff that I picked up for the last six years and also picking up from other people who have also spent their own time and energy figuring these things out and so I think it just boils down to yeah figure it out yourself do some research um, but definitely make sure you talk to people that are more experienced um, people that you live with um, family is another one if you're close with your family um, um, or one or both of your parents uh, they will be I mean they've been cooking for you hopefully <laughs> um, for ho however many decades and you know um, that plus dealing with all the other stuff of life um, so yeah for me I you know I'm, I'm six years out of or yeah six, six years out of college um, and was it um, and David you're still technically in college I think um, you're just taking a gap year right yeah. so um, but, and Spencer's uh, I'm a junior a yeah so yeah I don't know anything that's um, maybe you might be more curious about Spencer or some um, thoughts you'd like to know from David oh one thing uh, I don't think we like went into is uh, what do you guys do for a living because uh, I think people want to know like or for a lot of people who come from like Eastern Mass <laughs> and go to UMass Amherst it's like the plan is just to do four years here and like get out Yeah. but mm -hmm. like how have you guys managed to like stay in the region so do you guys want to like share what you guys do for a living or like what kind of uh what stage in life you guys are in i'm a freshman in life <laughs> um so i used to work at umass i still do um but i used to work as a work study student at um the financial aid office um and then eventually that became more just full-time during the summer. And then um, I think junior and senior year and super senior year, um, I ended up working at CMAS um, as a graphic designer. And at the same time also being an RA, uh, which was also a really good experience. Um, but then right out of college, I was expected to be a full-time worker for CMAS. Things didn't work out because they decided to work, you know, to hire four other grad students um, and so I had to look for a job I found one at the Alumni Association um, the funny thing was I actually there was no application but I you know simply looked up um, I, as a graphic designer I'm more focused on marketing advertisement communications anything with that kind of terminology I try to look up you know every communications department um, at the UMass website and so I stumbled upon the Alumni Association one and there was this one individual I emailed him he was like one of the email broadcasters and he said oh sadly you know I we don't have any positions open but thanks for reaching out a week later they reach out back to me and say hey actually we'd like to have a meeting with you um, and I'm like oh okay I was very confused so I thought I thought they didn't have a position open later I find out that same week after I sent my email originally their only graphic designer had retired and so they're like yeah we kind of need someone right now and so they hired me on the spot that was a really nice experience um, and um, it was actually a connection from someone else who I had also applied to but um, that position got full and so they're like oh you know we love your resume but we'll we'll share it with one of our colleagues at the Lone Association so that worked out. Um, I still work there. Um, our job kind of transitioned into what we now call UMass Advancement, um, which focuses more on not just alumni, uh, but also for students and the rest of the, you know, the colleges that we have. So um, my work is basically designing graphics, um, t-shirts, flyers, postcards, um, web assets, all kinds of things, video editing, um, things that help promote the message of UMass, um, promote, you know, funding opportunities, 
um, events, programs, all kinds of things. So, um, and also at the same time, I, I have the second job on campus. It's more of like, they call it a additional compensation. It's kind of like a side job, but it's essentially working with student affairs. And so um, most of it, again, is with CMAS, where I used to work as a, um, as a student. Um, but yeah, just, um, I do other little things, but it's mostly graphic design. And so um, I'm sure I could get a lot of money <laughs> working in New York or Boston, but I hate the city. Uh, I love Amherst life. And so it, it works out. It's a, it's a trade-off, honestly. Like having slightly less pay for a place that is very, very affordable versus being in a city that is very expensive that might pay you more, you know, so that's the trade-off for me. Yeah, wow. You yeah, know, mine's nothing as interesting as yours, DFD. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, for me, uh, I guess, well, what I do for a living before uh, taking the gap year, I was a student at UMass. I, I studied Japanese language and literature uh, in order to become a translator and interpreter. Um, I still want to be that. I'm just taking the gap year because I don't like online classes. And during last year, I think it was November, I got a job at Walmart after applying to a bunch of places. Because living at Winfield, I still I do have to pay for rent and groceries and all that stuff. So kind of like to help out my parents, I started getting trying to get a job. Uh, Walmart was the first place that I called back after like two months, I think. Um, I worked there as just you know regular cashier. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, I enjoyed the people working there. Uh, it was really nice, even though I wasn't getting paid a lot and I was only working part time. But it, man, it paid the rent. Uh, I was able to buy groceries and live comfortably. Um, and that continued until like maybe. March when UMass closed down and everything went online. Luckily, my classes were eight, like they were all pre-recorded, so I could kind of do them whenever. And Walmart, a lot of the workers went into quarantine because of you know scared, being scared and stuff. So there was just a lot of work. So I just started working and working and working. Um, and I started work, kind of. Getting a lot of money, um, kind of being more dependable because they, because there was such so few people there, they would always be looking for people to um, cover places that all the workers decide to call out or are still in quarantine. And because for me, I it's very hard for me to say no, and I also like learning new things. I'd always jump at the opportunity to like learn how to do something new or learn a new department. So I would quickly do that, um, and then after a while, the electronics department, uh, all their people can stay at the night. So I volunteered and I learned how to do it. After a while, it was you know it was, it was kind of hard because it was just by myself. Um, but after a while, I learned, and I really enjoyed it because. It was nice knowing that I, that uh, people relied on me, just because I could be very helpful to them, um, even though I might not be able to know much or I'm pretty new. Um, so it was really nice, uh, and I, thanks to that, I got to know more about how things worked, um, and so it's it really nice experience. And me being like an introvert. Kind of. Um, it also helped me be more sociable with people, and like be more like out there when it when I need to be. So it, it definitely helped. I would say it would def it definitely helps me become more of a extroverted person. Um, and so now I just work at Walmart, uh, work in the electronics department, and. Mostly, I, I know how to do a lot of stuff, uh, but it's it's really fun. Uh, let's see, but 
hopefully like I can go back to school and continue my studies and eventually become a translator or an interpreter yeah yeah that's dope and about me I'm a I'm a junior nursing major at New UMass I don't know if I see myself staying in the region but we'll see I mean there are like there is like a big like nursing shortage in the area so I might easily find a job out here but we'll see um but yeah oh and I also forgot why I enjoy living here <laughs> uh big reason I live I used to live near the city back home um it's always noisy and I I do like occasionally like looking at, at the sky and back home I it's all like light pollution so I can't see any stars coming here to to Amherst first time I look up at the sky I see so many stars it's beautiful it's so beautiful and like I just love the view yeah and it's just so quiet so it's like yeah it's just such a nice place and I can go walking in a bunch of places there's so many mountains to hike it's just so beautiful you know so I, I fell in love with it and I think even after graduate I'll probably still stay in the area yeah, I think going off that, that reminds me of my first experience, just, I guess, first time having that thought of why I should stay on, you know, in this area. I was an RA in Washington Tower on the 16th and 14th floor. Um, either floor, just to give it some um, context, uh, the tower is in Southwest, like the Southwest part of UMass campus. Um, and my dorm was facing campus. I could see everything, even Webster, uh, which is the other side of campus on, you know, Orchard Hill, where my my brother was and also where I was my freshman year. Um, so I could see that. I could see the library. I could see the rest of the Southwest, of course. Um, so kind of busy. I could see the marching band, lots of students coming in and out in classes and work and stuff like that. But then if I went to the other side of the tower, um, I could see all the farms of Hadley, you know, the Hadley farm, uh, which is owned by UMass. You could see horses, alpacas, you could see, you know, just flat land being harvested. Um, if you look behind, um, on the other side of the tower, on that floor, you could see the mountains and the forests and all the hiking trails. Um, and then of course, the last side, you could see downtown Amherst with, you know, the bright lights and you know people going in and out and um, obviously it's not the city but it was for me a good balance of everything because uh, in the city you're basically stuck there you could travel sure but you know it's gonna be loud it's gonna be crowded there's towers and light pollution um, for Amherst there's a little taste of everything um, but yeah it was good um, it's a good experience Yeah, so we're having a moment here because all of our apartment mates just came out. Um, yeah, but we hope that through this podcast, you kind of heard like a glimpse into like our apartment. Like, we want you to hear all the background noise and, and everything that goes on in this apartment. So, besides us three, there are three other apartment mates in this apartment. Two of them were working out in the past hour. One of them was playing games. If you know who we are, you'll probably guess who's doing what. But <laughs> no, yeah, uh, as you said, DFD, like Amherst is definitely a wonderful place. I think one thing that struck me when I went up to the 23rd floor of the library, UMass Library is the tallest library in the world, by the way. And it's the tallest the academic library in the country as, as far as i know yeah in the country yeah yeah um well when i went up to the 23rd floor it's like it's crazy because you see like the all of campus but out even farther out beyond campus it's like all mountains like all four sides so you kind of see how like 
we're in the middle of nowhere, but we're also like within something. So. Yeah, I mean, you could carpool, you can get a car, you can, I mean, here there, there's an amazing bus system that goes all the way to Springfield and, um, you know, South Hadley, Northampton. You can visit all the, the colleges. Um, so it's definitely doable. Um, even behind our apartment, we have a bike trail, which apparently starts in Maine, passes through Massachusetts and ends in Florida. That's quite the trail. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's a long trail. You know, I think there's there, I think there's a trail somewhere around here that leads you straight to Boston. But I don't know if that exists or if it was in the old days. I know there was an old railroad that's like around here. I don't know if it's used for anything anymore, but I've definitely driven over it a couple of times and Yeah. It goes somewhere. There's one behind Amherst College. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Abandoned. Um, there's always something to do. So um, for me, yeah, Amherst was the perfect place. I would say like probably ninety five percent of my friends will say, Yeah, I'm I can't wait to graduate and get out of here. <laughs> and I'm fine with it, you know. International students would say you know say that. Um, out-of-state people say that even people that live in Massachusetts even Amherst itself or the Pioneer Valley can't wait to move somewhere else um, or travel uh, for me it was quite the opposite I wanted to stay and first year was hard because you could see all, all all my friends leaving and the next year those friends would be graduating and then eventually it got to a point where all the people that ever knew me in college were gone and now I think it was, I forgot the class, but whatever class, Samsu and Justin and Selena and Albert, all those people, even Spencer Chung, like that class only knew me as a, um, as an alum, as someone who just graduated. So they never experienced me as a student. And so that was another generation. Um, now it's gotten to a point where there, like now I'm seeing the siblings of people I used to be in college with or to, used to serve with uh, at Epic um, and I'm kind of used to it by now no tears at graduation after a while you lose all your tears <laughs> um, it's just I guess life so you get used to it and it's not like it's not like the old days where you wouldn't see each other ever again like we can just Facebook it you know anytime or send an email it's, so it's not impossible to stay in touch um but obviously it is different when they're not here physically to hang out as often as you used to. But the nice thing, uh, you know, it's it's not a dying town. It's it's growing. UMass itself is growing amazingly. Um, and yeah, it's, um, it's a place to uh, definitely make friends. There's always more freshmen coming in, more transfers, more internationals. Um, never stops it never stops so keeps on coming yeah they're eager to make friends and you're eager to replace the ones that just left you so <laughs> <laughs> it all works out it all works, yeah, out. It works out yeah and you can you know the longer you're here the more history and the more knowledge you have um it, it just becomes more valuable um not to yourself or not just to yourself but also you can you know share it with the people that are basically walking the same steps you used to in college and out of college so yeah and it's helpful for like like us as at least david and i as leaders at umass uh, umass epic where you have like an alum who's been in this place for 11 years just to sort of like be like oh you're making the same mistake as the people back then made or you're you're doing what I think is most ideal. So, yeah. Um, or like, so and so had a similar situation, and they did it this way, and it worked out really fine. Stuff yeah. like that. It's really nice. Yeah. Even just like life advice in general. Like, if you need a job on UMass campus, like, DFD knows where 
all the campus jobs are. Or at least how to, like, find them. And Honestly. It's helpful. Yeah. Yeah, because I think when I was looking for a job, I had mentioned it to him. And he, for I think for a long while, he would be sending me, like, oh, like, there's this job just opened up. Oh, this job just opened up for a long while. Uh, and a lot of it, I, I applied. Some of them got back, some didn't, but Walmart was the first one that said, yeah, we'll, we'll take you on. So it's, like, really nice knowing that, you know, there's this person who's, like, willing to help you out. And he just, like, it's, like, bombarding you with, like, job places. It's, like, so cool. So, like, you're not alone. Yeah. Um, I guess I was kind of alone when I came in. Because a lot of people were like not really invested in this place. They just they wanted to just graduate. Even for interns, typically they're done with that year and then they're gone. Um, for me, I guess I didn't have anyone to look up to in that sense, and so I was like, you know what, maybe I could do some of that. Because I guess naturally, I like being resourceful and learning more. Um, you know, being a type one, wing two. Um, Enneagram. Enneagram. It's. Um, reformer and then helpers too um so there's this drive to be orderly and you know just like organized and resourceful and you know changing for the better um but still having this drive to also share and help and take care of others um so and hopefully you know they can also do the same thing for the next generation um so but yeah, my, my first experience at Winfield was late at night, very dark, probably after Epic, one, one of the old Epic, you know, nights. Um, and interns would just drive us, carpool like everyone, um, and I was just a sophomore at the time. And yeah, it was a brand new experience. At the time, it felt like I was an hour away from campus. <laughs> it's actually just like five minutes drive, but it felt like a long time. Um, but yeah, it was very empty here, barely any furniture, very cold and quiet uh, until 10, 20, 25 people showed up um, from Epic and, you know, yeah, we just had a, a blast. We'd play games, get to know each other. We would have prayer nights and um, all kinds of things to, I guess, keep us alive and entertained um, and growing spiritually. So. Um, it was good. So I, I realized, you know, a lot of these interns, in fact, all of them graduated, finished their internship, and then left. Um, and I was that new generation coming in, taking over um, after I graduated. And I, I, I liked my, you know, I, I really enjoyed my experience. Um, and I just wanted to, I guess, continue that tradition of new folks coming in and feeling like they have a home. Um, so, yeah. That's awesome. Yes, sir. So this wraps up this launch of a new series on the Grace and Peace podcast, the Winfield Table Talk. It's been great having you guys, DFD and David. Yeah, thanks, Spencer. Yeah, thank you, thank you. And you may now fly away from this podcast, Whee! but <laughs> always grace and peace. Ciao, ciao.